Well, good morning. How are you feeling today, church? Feeling, feeling all right? It is exciting to be here with you this morning. And uh, if you're joining online right now, our online campus, we welcome you. Could you give it up for everyone watching online right now all over the world? Thanks for tuning in today here locally and globally. And our campuses, we welcome you, Franklin, Banta, and everyone here at Greenwood. Welcome. If this is your first time guest, whether online at one of our campuses, we want to say welcome to you. And we hope your experience thus far has been a good one. We've prayed for you, prepared for you, planned for you, and yeah, we're excited that you're here. And for the rest of you who are coming back, regular attenders, uh, welcome back to you as well. We're in the second week of a series called Transitions. We actually started it last week. And we began by talking about how full of transitions life really is. I mean, we just go from one phase to the next, one condition to the next, one stage to the next stage in our life. Life does not stand still, right? And we talked about that, and we said, it, it, you know, basically, if you could show your life in pictures, just go back and look at all the different phases, you know, you would, you would really see the transitions. I'll just give you an example. This is a little bit of my life, and the reason I'm showing you this is because I'm the pastor, and I, I'm not narcissistic, I, I don't think, but just, just bear with me. This is a little bit of my life right here. This is how I came into the world. This is my baby photo. You know, I got that really, you know, elongated head there, you know, it's like... <laughs> Probably too much time in the birth canal, not really sure what happened there, but uh, and then this little thing right here is like a, a mouse slash possum, I think. So I don't know who gives their kid that, but that's what I got when I was a baby. Um, and then I transitioned into this period where I had two older brothers, and there's a picture of that. It's my older brother, Jimmy, Jason, this is me, and it's probably 1970. Nine, something like that, 70, uh, 1980, and uh, that was an interesting phase. Don't you love how mom puts you in these weird, awkward poses with your brother? Like, hey, just get behind each other and hug, you know? It's like, really? Like one time my wife took my son uh, to, to the fo- get a photo shoot done, and she put wings on him with, with our cousin. They're both sitting over here today. It's just funny. We can show you those pictures later. And they were just little angels. Like, why did you put wings on my son? No, you know, why do moms do this kind of stuff? I don't know, but uh, we do that. Moms do that. So then this is my transition from eighth grade into high school. This is actually my eighth grade graduation picture with my dad there. This is a rough time in my life because your brain is not fully developed, not even close, right? So you're really making dumb choices, stupid decisions. You think you know more than you really do. And so that was a tough, right before high school, that was, that was a transition in my life. I remember uh, the best, one of the best transitions I ever made uh, or decisions I ever made was the decision to get married a few years later. This is Jackie and I right here, uh, 1999, August 14th, right here in this exact spot. We went from being single to married. I think Jackie was 17 and a half in this picture. Uh, no, no, she, she's a little bit older than that, but, uh, but not much. And so that was a great transition in our lives. And then, you know, we went from this being married couple to bringing human beings into the world. Here's a, here's a little photo of, of the creatures that we made. There's my little daughter, Ruby, Bo, and Andrew. And this, this is an older picture. Some of them are still missing teeth here. Uh, but now they're 16, 14, and 13. And I mean, here's, here's what I just wanted you to see. It's true for my life. It's true for your life. Life is moving, it's going, it's transitioning, it's not stagnant, it doesn't stay still. And most people, most people simply struggle to go through the transitions in life, which means, and we said this last week, most people are struggling with life in general because life is full of transitions. And it's, and, and it's real simple. Here's why. People feel like they're losing control when they're going through a transition. We love to have control. We feel like we're, we're leaving behind the past that's good and we're like, ah. Oh. 
so good. You know, sometimes it's the loss of a loved one. That's what makes this transition so hard. You're leaving behind something good. And then we're moving into this new place where you have to learn some new skills and new, you know, a new, how to live in this new, this new place. And that's a struggle and there's a lot of unknown. And so people really struggle to go through transitions. And so in this series, all we wanted to do is kind of equip you with some basic you know, tools and principles so that you can transition well, no matter what the transition is in your life, uh, that, so you can go through it uh, with strength and, and get to the other side uh, well, and so we talked about number one, embracing the transition. No matter what's going on in your life, God is either orchestrating that deal or He is allowing it to happen to your life. That was last week, and we also talked about preparing. If you believe that God is behind the transition, which He is in His sovereignty, then you can mentally and emotionally prepare for the transition, no matter what it is. If it's an empty nest, or if it's retirement, or if it, or if it's a job transfer. Last week we mentioned that the average adult now in this country transfers jobs 11 to 15 times in their career, lots of transition going on there. Sometimes it's having a child, sometimes it's having another child, and, and sometimes it's empty nest, whatever it is. You can prepare for it if you embrace it. And so that was last week, enough about that. Today I want to talk about this third principle of transitioning well. Very simply, it is leaning into others. If you want to transition well into your life, you have to lean into others. Here's the truth. God has not created you and I to go through the transitions in our life by ourselves. Yet, we still try to do it. We still try to go it alone for whatever reason. For some of us, the reason we don't lean into others in our time of transition is because it never occurs to us that we can ask for help. It's just never, for some of us, it's just really that simple. I didn't know I could ask for help. Well, you can, and you should, <laughs> and you're designed to do that. For some of us, you know, we've been taught, you know, be self-sufficient. Don't ask for help. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, this is your deal. You're going to grind this transition out, whatever it is, by yourself. And maybe you learn that from teachers, parents, coaches, whoever. I don't know, in your, in your past. For others, you know, you think, man, who am I to ask for help? I mean, my life is so much better than tens of millions of people all over the world. Why should I ask for help? I'm not going to ask for help because my life's not that bad. And so we just decide we'll go it alone because we feel bad asking for help, you know. For some of us, it's, it's, I, I, heard some, I heard this last week. We had a lady come down front. We were talking about transitioning, and, and I encouraged her to lean into others and, and get help. And she said, I just don't want to be a burden to others. You ever say that? Right? I, I have before. It's like, ah, I don't know. I, I, really, I, I feel like I want to call him, but I don't want to be a burden to him. And then he's got to answer my questions, and I'm just not going to reach out. And ask for help. We don't want to be a burden. For, for, you know, for others of us, it's just simply pride. We don't want to appear weak. And if I ask for help, if I lean into you, if you lean into me, there's, there's, this, there's this temptation to, to appear like we don't have it all together and we don't know all the answers. And so we don't want to look bad, so we don't ask for help. For some of us, we don't want to set the expectation that, that we're going to have to help that person in return. Like if I ask you to help me, then I might have to, you might come back and ask me to help you and I don't want to help you, so I'm just going to, <laughs> I'm just going to keep to myself, right? Because I'm selfish and I don't like to help anybody, so I'm not going to ask for you to help and that whole deal right there. And for others of us, it's like if I ask people to help me, if I lean into others, then, then I'm going to have more people in my life and people are weird. <laughs> then I got to deal with another relationship and they're going to ask questions and I got to kind of answer, you know, they're going to try to help. Now, now I've got another relationship to manage. So we don't want people in our life, even though they will help us. It's too much of a burden. It takes too much energy to deal with people. So we push them out. We don't lean into others. And then for others of us, yet still, there's some of you out there today, you'd say, if I leaned into the people in my life, <laughs> they would not help me at all. They'd give me the wrong kind of help. Like, you don't understand. So you don't, you don't lean into others because you know they, there's not a lot of help there. <laughs> 
okay? For whatever reason, you try to go through transitions in your life by yourself, and you fail to lean in. Here's what the Bible says about that, Ecclesiastes 4.10. Someone who falls when they're all alone is in, say it with me, real trouble. You try to go through this life alone, and you fall, which a lot of times we fall during transition, right? It gets difficult, the bills mount, the stress mounts, the anxiety mounts, and we fall during times of transition. If you go through that deal by yourself, you're in real trouble. Why? Because there's no one there to help you get back up. You know, in the Bible, 59 times in the New Testament alone, there's this little phrase called one another used. 17 of those 59 times, it specifically says, love one another. Four of those 59 times specifically says, encourage one another. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, carry one another's or carry each other's, say it with me, burdens. Life gets tough sometimes. We, we get let go at work. We have marriage problems, parenting issues, health issues. Life becomes burdensome. There's a, a lady in our church right now. She's had brain cancer. She can't see through her left eye. She had like two or three jobs. Now she can't work. And sometimes it's just burdensome. Like life gets really difficult at times. And oftentimes it's the times of transition where it gets really difficult. And so the Bible knows that. And God tells us, look, you're not designed to go through that deal by yourself. Here's what I want you to do. Every, this is an all skate. This, everybody jump in on this. Carry one another's burdens. And as you do this, or in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? It's very simple. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what does it mean to, what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? It looks like carrying one another's burdens. That's what love looks like. Love, and we've said this over and over and over again, love is doing what is best for your neighbor. Well, what is it that you need during this time of transition? During this difficult time where your children are leaving the home? During this difficult time where you just had a baby? During this difficult time where your marriage has fallen apart? During this difficult, what is it that you, let me jump in and carry some of that deal for you. Why? Because we were not designed to go through it by ourselves. Is anybody tracking with me today? This is how you go through a transition well. You lean into others, but we don't do it for whatever reason. What do others do exactly? So we're supposed to lean into others. We're supposed to carry, let them carry our burdens. We're supposed to carry their burdens. What exactly is going on when we lean into others? Three things. We'll cover them real quick. The first one is that others give you insight. Others give you insight. What does that mean? Others help you to see things you cannot see when you're going through a transition. Because a lot of times when you're going through transition, you're not thinking straight. You're not making good decisions. You're emotional. You're discouraged. You're down. You're desperate. Others come in and say, hey, time out. Wait a second. You don't want to do that. (laughs) Here's what you want to be thinking. Here's what you want to be doing. Here's the passages of scripture you want to be studying. Here's the couple different books you need to be reading when you guys, you go through this difficult period in your life. Why? How do they know? Because they've been there. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands, if not millions, of people have gone through the empty nest transition. They've gone through the divorce transition. They've gone through the bringing a child into the world transition. They've gone through the my kids are now in high school transition. They've gone through the now I'm going to college transition. They've gone through the oh my gosh, now I'm getting married transition. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have gone through the transition that you're going through. And they've come out on the other side, and guess what? They're successful, and, and what they've learned are insights. But if you don't lean into them, 
If you don't ask their advice, you miss out on the insight. You tracking with me? Yes or no? Why would you miss out on the information that they have? It's craziness. You end up suffering. You end up paying the price because you don't have the insight. There's a great example in the scriptures of this. When Moses was leading the children of Israel up out of Egypt, 400 years of slavery. They're going into the promised land, but they're not there yet. They're in this little wilderness wandering phase of the journey. There's about 653,000 men that leave Egypt. If you count the women and children, it's about 2 million folks. Imagine traveling with 2 million people. That's a bit of a road trip. (laughs) They don't have a home, no promised land yet. They left Egypt. They can't go back. They come up to this place called Mount Sinai. That's where Moses got the Ten Commandments, right? You with me? You've seen the movie? (laughs) There's a whole movie about it. (laughs) You don't even have to read the Bible and learn this stuff sometimes. So Moses gets the Ten Commandments. When he's at Mount Sinai in this little window, this transition period in their life, in the journey of the Israelites, he gets a visit from a guy named Jethro. Who's Jethro? Jethro is Moses's father-in-law. Some of you know. Some of you know. Watch the movie. I'll tell you what. It's a lot of information there. Actually, I don't think that part is in the movie. Anyway, okay. Jethro comes to see Moses, and he kind of observes what's going on in this, inter, this, this transition period, because Moses is basically setting up a one-person government. He's, he's the, the, the president. He's the king. He's the spiritual go-between to God and all this stuff. And what Jethro sees is that there's this huge line of people every single day lining up to talk to Moses about their issue, whatever their issue was. Somebody stole my ox. Somebody killed my goat. What do we do? He's got to repay me. So they got this huge line, and Moses is the government, the one-person government. Jethro comes on the scene, Exodus chapter 18, and he, he observes what's going on. Listen to what he says. He says, hey, Big Mo. <laughs> it's not what he says, but wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> What you are doing is, say with me, not good. Can you imagine? Moses has a face-to-face relationship with God. Imagine rebuking that kind of guy. I mean, Moses goes in to talk to God. When Moses comes out from talking to God, his face is glowing with the glory of God. And here's Jethro coming in. Hey, Mo, what you're doing is all wrong. (laughs) Moses had some leadership struggles. Even though he was close to God, he, he, he had some... Some things to learn about how to govern two million people. He says, what you're doing is not good, Mo. You and all these people who come to see you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it. Say it with me. Alone. See, here's, if you get nothing else today, get this. You were not designed to go through your transition by yourself. You're going to wear yourself out. Jethro says, come on, bud. I know you're spiritual. I know you talk to God. I know all that. But what you're doing here, the structure, this one-person government deal, it's not going to work. Listen to what he says. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. So he tells them to break the whole community up into groups of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And he tells them to raise up leaders, godly leaders who will be over each one of those groups, and everybody who has an issue can go to those leaders, and Moses, you handle the really, really tough cases. And in doing so, the burden of leadership will be bearable. And so Moses does that, and they're able to sustain the government and this transition period. Insight. That's what people have. 
People see things you don't see. I remember years ago when I was a youth pastor at this church, I had a friend of mine come into town. He was 10 years older than me, wiser than me. His family was older than mine. And he came to visit my home. And I was kind of excited that he would see my home because, you know, I was doing okay. And the youth, the youth pastor youth group was growing here. And I just built a brand new three-bedroom, two-bathroom house. I mean, literally brand new. We had a brand new uh, lease car. Beautiful, beautiful SUV in the driveway. Um, and so I was, I'm, I'm there, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be like, man, you're kind of you're doing well. Well, he gave me the opposite feedback. He said to me, wow, you can't afford all this stuff. I was like, dude, I don't miss a payment. I don't know what you're talking about. We never miss a payment. He's like, no, I'm not talking about missing payments. I'm talking about how much this stuff costs. You got a new house, new mortgage, new car. You have student loan debt? I said, yeah, I got student loan debt. You have credit card debt? Yeah, I got credit card debt. How much is that? How much is that? How much is your car payment? How much is your house payment? How much are your student loans? How much do you have at the end of the month? I was like, well, why'd you have to ask that question? <laughs> you know? And so I told him, and he said, yeah, you're broke. Just exactly what I thought. He said, you need to get online and look up a guy called Dave Ramsey. I said, who? I looked up Dave. I started to learn. I started to get on the seven baby steps. We started to do the debt snowball. We sold a bunch of stuff. We got rid of cable. You know, the kids were running because they thought we were going to sell them. Just kidding. <laughs> That's Dave Ramsey's joke. You guys know that. Cheap laughs. Changed my life. Changed our life. Changed the way we do marriage. Today, my wife and I are in a completely different financial situation because someone chose to give us insight we didn't have about how personal finance worked. That's Jethro to Moses. This is life-changing. This is what others do for us. They give us insight. Other people have been through the transition, and they've come out on the other side, and they've learned things, and we are crazy not to access that insight and that information. But that's what happens when we choose to go through things by ourselves. Secondly, what else do people do? Others give us practical help. Like, I'm serious, just practical, like, grocery money like sometimes when you're going through a transition and it's a job transition you're short on cash somebody will come up and say dude I will just help you with some groceries some gas money practical help like well, you need some babysitters like we'll come we're, we're watching the kids Friday night you guys can get out and, and, and get a break I know it's been a tough transition you need to take some time invest in your marriage we're gonna watch the kids just extremely practical help. Like you need you know, the medical bills? Like we'll do a little bit. We can't do everything, but we'll just help a little bit, lighten the load a little bit. How about rent? Oh, you short on rent or mortgage, whatever. Practical help. Because sometimes when you're going through a transition, those are the things that you need. Am I right? It's things get tight, things get difficult, and you need people in your life to come up and help you practically. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says it this way. Two people are better off than one, for they can help. They can help, help you succeed. If one person falls down, the other person can reach out and what? Give practical help. Like help you actually physically get up. But then, verse 10, we've already looked at this. We'll look at it again. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. They don't have someone to help them go up. Some, some of you heard the story of Brent Fox a couple weeks ago when he shared his story. Brent's our campus pastor over at the Franklin campus. What's up, Franklin? See, I see you. I see you. And uh, he's a new, new campus pastor over there, and um, you know, he shared a story in, in his sermon a couple weeks ago about how he and Amy, about 10 years ago, felt nudged by God to begin foster care. 
And about uh, eight, about uh, a year and a half ago, they decided to execute on that nudge. And so they thought God was going to give them one child. <laughs> God has a little bit of a sense of humor. He gave them two. And so now they've got these two new babies in their home. Their family goes from six to four almost overnight. And it's like, wow. And I, and I actually tried to a little bit, tried to talk them out of it a little bit. But <laughs> I was like, are you sure about this? Are you sure you heard God? And they were sure. They were positive. And, uh, and so they brought these two, these two beautiful boys into their home and uh, and, and, and they started, you know, receiving all this help. And, you know, that was a year and a half ago. And so I emailed them or I asked them this week. I said, hey, could you shoot me a list of all the things that practical help that you've received from your small group, from people in the church, from people in the community, people in your life. And so he sent me this email. I want you to hear this list. These are things that people helped Amy and Brent with with these two boys. Babysitting, diapers, wipes. <laughs> you need a lot of those. Both the boys are in diapers. A diaper pail. That's very important. If you've raised children before, uh, bottles, a crib, a dresser, a baby swing, a stroller, clothes, a baby monitor, landscaping, grass cutting, notes of encouragement, gift cards, and then this one to top it all off, friends built a room addition on their house. Is that crazy? If you added all that up, the cost, I don't even know what the cost would be. Definitely in the tens of thousands. I mean, you'd have to think almost over $10,000. And the emotional side. Now, here's my question. Brent and Amy are strong people. Could they have made it through with these two boys without the help of their small group in their church and all that stuff? What do you think? Yeah, probably. They might be crazy by now. <laughs> they might have lost their marriage by now, but they probably would have like scooted through a little bit somehow, some way, you know, scrape the money together, you know, go into debt to buy all the stuff that they needed for these two boys. But they didn't have to do that. Because they had a group of people around them that said, dude, what do you need? Like, I want to help you. You guys are going through a massive transition. You took these two boys in. How can we help you? And they're doing great today as far as I know. They still like each other. <laughs> Brent, Amy, you guys like each other? Okay, anyway. So, so that's, that's, what am I saying today? You were designed to go through your transition with the help of others because they give you practical help. Number three, let's talk about number three. What do others do? They give you hope. Others give you hope in the transition. Hope, such an interesting word. It's hard for me to get my brain wrapped around hope. Here's my best, here, here's my best definition of hope, okay? I'll give it to you. I, I, think, I think it'll resonate with you. Hope is basically an optimistic emotional state rooted in the conviction that things will work out. It's this belief in your mind and in your heart that even though things are difficult right now and, and, and it's painful and you feel a sense of loss or there's uncertainty about the future or, or whatever's going on in your transition, even though it's hard right now in this moment, I'm going to keep moving forward because I believe that things are going to work out. It's a powerful concept. Years ago when I would study this concept of hope or, or think about giving a talk on hope, I would avoid it. And the reason I would avoid it is because it seems so soft. It seems so, I don't know, squishy. And, you know, and preachers, we don't like that. We like concrete concepts and concrete ideas that will transfer over and can, people can take action on. When you start talking about hope, it's like, okay, you know. It's like, well, what is hope? You know, it, didn't, it just didn't seem concrete enough for me. So I wouldn't preach on it. I wouldn't talk about it. But but now I feel differently about hope. I think hope is, com is, is completely solid. It's something concrete. It's something real. It's something essential for every single human being on this planet to have. 
If you want to know how concrete or how solid hope is, just talk to somebody who doesn't have any. I have. Over the years of ministry here, I've talked to people who simply have lost hope. And you suddenly realize how important it is because a person without hope has been affected in every single way. Their job performance is struggling. Their attitude is struggling. Their relationships are struggling. Every aspect of their life has been affected by this lack of hope. I've talked to people who've come into this building in this church and they have just a little bit of hope and they lost that hope and they've committed suicide. I've done the funeral. I've seen it. How vital, how real, how important is hope? It is absolutely essential for human beings to live and to go through their transitions in life. See, here, here, here's how it works. Hope in the future. Believing that the future will be better. That even though, the, even though the present is difficult, hope for the future gives you strength and gives you power. It gives you energy in the present. See, here's how it works. If I believe the future is going to be better, I've got energy right now to take another step. It may be hard right now, this, this new thing that we're moving into or this loss that we're suffering right now. It may be difficult, it may be painful, but things will get better in the future. Therefore, I'm going to take another step and another step. I'm going to keep walking through this difficulty. And people who lose that hope, they stop walking. They don't persevere. They don't keep going. But when you have hope, I realize I run my whole life on hope. My whole life, my marriage, hope. This church, hope. Raising my kids, hope, a lot of hope. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's hard right now, it's difficult right now. We got some challenges right now, but I promise you, the future, things are going to get better. Guess what happens in my everyday living? I keep going, I keep moving, I keep pushing. Why? Because I believe the future is gonna be better. How important is hope? You just talk to somebody who doesn't have any. Does God want you to be filled with hope? Romans 15, 13 says, yes. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust him. Why? Why? Watch this. So that you may overflow with what? Oh, can you get, you can get this? God doesn't want you to have a little bit of teaspoon of hope here and there, a little, little shot of hope here. He didn't want you to have a tiny bit of hope. He wants, you to, he wants your life to be overflowing with hope, like splashing all over people in your house. See how that works? Like you go to work and it's, it's just getting on people's shoes and their pants and they're like, what is all this stuff? That's just hope, I'm sorry, just get, excuse me. I'm just getting it up, you know. Overflowing, why are you so hopeful? You don't understand, the future's gonna be better. I know it's hard right now. I know it's difficult right now. I know this transition is hard, it's painful, but it's gonna be better in the future. It's like, oh, I see. I see why you're so excited. I see why you're so passionate. I see why you're so happy. I see why you're so full of joy. You believe that things will be better in the future. Yes, and and so you, you need to believe that too. How does God do that? Well, it says by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, how does the Holy Spirit do that? Doesn't he use people? He does for me. He does for me. In the darkest times of my life, he's used a person to come alongside of me. And say, hey, I've been there. Don't get too down. It won't, be, it won't be like this in six months. Keep your head up. Hope. God uses people in your life 
to give you the hope that you need to keep going in the present. Never forget that. But if I don't lean into them, if I isolate myself, if I push them out because they're messy and they're weird and they might want something back from me or whatever the reasons are, right? Or I'm too proud and I don't want to feel appear weak. If I push them out, I forfeit hope, folks, and so do you. And then we struggle to go through our transitions. Don't do that. Just lean in. Look what Proverbs 12, 25 says. Worry, anxiety weighs a person down. Most of the time because of transitions. But an encouraging word does what? Lifts the spirit. Encourages the soul. Cheers the heart. I cannot tell you how many times I have had a person come to me in a difficult valley, in a difficult transition. And they've said something, shared something, showed me something, and completely lifted my spirit. It's like, okay, it's going to be okay. Tomorrow's a new day. It's going to be better next week. Hope was transferred. But you've got to lean in. You've got to open the door. You've got to invite it in. Other people give you hope. They give you practical help. And they give you insight. This is why we're crazy about small groups around here. That's why I'm wearing the shirt with the circle on it. That's why we got the sign-up tables in the back. That's why we're going to ask you to sign up today. Because why? You were not designed to go through this life by yourself. You were not created to carry your own burdens. It's the one another's. Carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Help people work through their, walk through their transitions. What am I saying today? I can sum it up this way. Transitioning well requires the assistance of others. It's the bottom line. Transitioning well requires the assistance of others. So for whatever reason you have been, you know, denying this reality, whatever reason you have for not leaning into others, you got to get over it. you got to lean in. you got to ask for help. Now, some of you are like, dude, I get it, but you don't understand. I don't have anybody to lean into. Like, I understand what you just said, inside hope, practical help, but when I look around my life, there's, there's nobody there. Now, can I, can I say something with love and gentleness in my heart? Can, you, can, can I say something difficult? Can you guys receive it? Yes? Just give me a little head nod. Okay. Sometimes I have to say difficult things, but it's for your benefit. If, if, you, have, if you don't have people around you that you can lean into, during your times of transitions, whose fault is it? Is it theirs? Is it society? Do people suck? If you go on Twitter, that's what, I mean, you, you, come, you get that feeling like, man, everybody sucks. <laughs> whose fault is it that you don't have a group of people around you that you can lean into? Could it be yours? In your notes, here's how I wrote it, and this comes from love and gentleness in my heart. I want what's good for you. If you want someone to be there for you in your time of transition, be there for them. That's how it works. Jesus said it this way. Do unto others as you wish that they would do unto you. 
See, if you don't have a group of people around you that are like, dude, dude, let me carry some of that for you. I know this is a tough time. I know, I know the, the marriage fell apart. I know this. I know the deal. I know your kids just left. I know, I know your parents are ill and they're getting sick. I know this is transition. I know, I know. Let me carry some of that. If you don't have people around you that can carry some stuff for you, maybe it's because you haven't been carrying their stuff. And so they know you've been selfish your whole life. So like, I ain't helping you. People back away from selfish people, don't you? Don't you? I do. We back away. If it's always about you, I back away. So if you've got nobody around you, maybe it's a selfishness issue. The scriptures put it this way, Proverbs eleven twenty five: The generous will prosper. Those who are others-focused will prosper. What does he mean? Those who refresh others will themselves be what? Refresh. In other words, if I go refresh you, or if I go help you through a transition, if I serve you, it's just a matter of time that things turn around and you start to ask me if I need help. And now there's a group of people around me that are saying, Danny, can I help you walk through a difficult time? To which we would say, because we're not too proud, yes, I could really use some help. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I was at Starbucks the other day with a friend. He's going through a difficult transition and I'm helping him walk through it. Doing the best that I can, showing them different passages, different scriptures. We're at our second meeting, and I, the things that I showed him were working, and he was excited, and he saw some change in his life. I can't do that for everybody, but I can do it for somebody. So that's what I choose to do as a pastor. He starts the second meeting this way. He says, before we get into this, what can I do for you? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? My life's not screwed up. Yours isn't. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say. I, yeah. Cheap laughs. Man, I got to quit doing that. I got to stop doing it because he beat me up. If he saw that, he's going to, he, he can, he's tougher than I am. Anyway, um, I didn't think that, but, but what I loved was his heart. He, he, had he had been refreshed by me, instructed by me. He's got some advice from me and he saw that it was the right path. Then very next meeting, he's like, what can I do for you? See how that works? If I want people around me during my difficult times, I need to be there for them in their difficult times. And if I don't have people around me <laughs> willing to carry some of the stuff, then maybe I have not carried some of their stuff. So here's my question to you. It's a hard question. And I know this is difficult content, but it's, it's for you. It's for you. Whom can you help through their transition? Who is it? I know you know at least five people. Uh, somebody going through a marriage problem, somebody going through a, 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 ch a problem with their kids, financial stuff, job stuff. Go help them. Text them. Hey, how's it going? Do you guys need any assistance? You need some childcare? Reach out to them. Be a blessing to them. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be Refresh. Look, this stuff either works or I'm crazy. Some of you are like, dude, I tried that one time and I got taken advantage of. Here's the problem. You tried it one time. <laughs> and I'm not talking about doing things one time. Have I been, ever ta have I been taken advantage of? You better believe it. Do I, be do I know it's going to happen again in the future? Yes, 100%. I'm 100% sure that I will be taken advantage of. I don't care. 
Because this is a way, this is a path, this is a lifestyle. And I, I may be taken advantage of by three people, but 97 people are gonna be like, dude, I just thank you. Thank you for helping me through that difficulty. How can I bless you? I'll take those, those numbers, those percentages. I'll be taken advantage of three, uh, three times for the 97 times that, I, that it works. Don't give up on helping people just because you got taken advantage of one time or somebody stole from you or didn't say thank you or didn't appreciate the help. Don't give up. Because over the long haul, what you're gonna see is you're gonna have a group of people around you that will start carrying your stuff. Hey, let me take some of that for you. I see you going through a difficult time. You help me, I wanna help you. Who is it? Who do you know that's going through a transition? Why don't you reach out to them today and be a blessing to them? Now, as we wrap this deal up, here's what I love about Jesus. The most important transition of our life is the one that happens on the day that we die and we leave this earth and we go into the next life. We have to get that one correct. Do you agree, yes or no? Like that's the one, like we may mess up all the other transitions in our life, but the, the one we need to make sure we get right is the one that happens when we transition from this world to the next because it has eternal implications. You know what Jesus did for us? He made sure, if we should choose, that that transition will go extremely well. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter. Some of you have never seen this verse before. Talk about carrying somebody's burdens. Watch this. He, that is Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. Wow. See, the very thing that separated us from God was our sins. So what Jesus does, he's like, give me those. Give me those, give me your sins, your sins, your sins. Give me everybody's sins. I'll take them on my body. I'm gonna go to the cross and I'm gonna allow nails to go through my hand. I'm gonna allow nails to go through my feet. I'm gonna be hit over the head with sticks. I'm gonna have a crown of thorns put on my head. I'm gonna be whipped with a cat of nine tails across my back until there's no skin. I'm gonna let them punch me in the face, pull out my beard, spit on me so that you can have a good transition from this world into the next. By my wounds, you will be healed. Not from your cancer, that may happen, but that's not what he's talking about. Not from your diabetes, that may happen, but that's not what he's talking about. By my wounds, you are healed in the sense that you will be put into a relationship with God. Your sin will be forgiven, erased, your soul will be cleansed, and you will become a child of God. And some of you still haven't made that choice. I think you're crazy because <laughs> you're gambling with eternity. This transition from this world to the next is one that will last forever. Why would you gamble with that? Why would you wait one more second to take care of that transition? He already carried it. He already finished it when he rose from the grave. Step into that today. Receive Christ as your savior and seal up that deal. I'm gonna say a simple prayer. Take these words, I implore you, I beg you if you're watching online, whatever campus you're at, do not wait. Put your trust in Christ. Ask him to be your savior and wash you of your sin and then dedicate yourself to live for his honor and for his glory as his student, as his, as his disciple. Will you pray with me? If you feel led, if this moment is your moment, step into it with faith and confidence. Take these words, make them your own. Say, Jesus, thank you for carrying the burden of my sin in your body on the cross, paying the penalty, paying the price so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be healed. 
I trust you today. I put my faith in you today. I believe you rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven. I receive your grace today. I receive your love today. Wash me, cleanse me. And from this day forward, teach me as your student to love you, live for you, and to become like you. I pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's give it up for God, amen. All glory to God. Hey, if you just said that prayer, we wanna give you a gift on your way out. There's tables back here to my left and right. If you just prayed to receive Christ today, we wanna put a Bible in your hands. It's a copy of the New Testament. Grab this in the way out. If you did it online, there's a box there that says, I accepted Christ. Put your address there. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, guys, can we give it up? All glory to God, amen. He's changing lives. And at this time, what we're gonna do is hand things off to our campus pastors right now. And so God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Bring your friends.